From the Rodney Kiefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. On this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Mabe talks to us about what characteristics he looks for when hiring a new strength coach, the important place that adversity has for those that become leaders, and the calling in our industry to help build up other coaches that guides him. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I have yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I'm joined by Coach Donnie Mabe. He is the Assistant Athletic Director for Athletic Performance at the University of Texas. Prior to his 22 years at UT, he was an Assistant Strength Coach at the University of Colorado. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. I appreciate it, Coach. Really good to see you today, and it's, uh, it's an honor to be on here with you. Absolutely. Could you tell us a little bit more about your role at UT right now? Sure, would be glad to. I mean, currently right now, I'm our director of Olympic sports uh, at Texas, which basically every school is a little different. But in, in in our area, I oversee everything but basketball and football. Uh, Coach Yancey McKnight and Coach Andrea Hootie oversee uh, those other two sports. Obviously, Yancey with football and then Andrea with basketball. And then I oversee all the other Olympic sports. And I have uh, six other staff that I work with. And we kind of divide everything up and manage three different weight rooms right now could you tell me a little bit more about what it's like to work with such high level coaches you know you got coach yancy mcknight and and coach andrea hoodie and you know yourself what is it like to have that high of functioning coaches or well-known coaches all under one roof at the university of texas yeah, I think it's something that, you know, I think it speaks a lot. I think first and foremost to a, a school like Texas, obviously they have the resources to bring in staff like that, but just the level of excellence. And I think 
expectation that they have at a place like Texas, it's always there. I think that it's something all as coaches, we all feel that pressure, right? But I think at a place like Texas, you, you, there's this pressure there that I think it attracts certain people, you know, and, and, uh, I'm just, I'm a big proponent of, I don't believe that, you know, just because you're successful at one place means you'll be successful at another. I think there's every school, every administration, every, um, organizational chart, there's different challenges that you've got to learn to work through in different uh, reporting lines, uh, the protocols that, that schools like to do things. So I think, you know, to be at a school, to answer your question, to be with Yancey and to be at Andrea, it just speaks volumes to Texas, but also to Yancey and Andrea that, I mean, they're not, they're not strangers to pressure you know, being competitive, meeting high demands and dealing with, you know, expectations that just quite frankly, they're unrelenting. I mean, you've got to produce at Texas, no matter who you are, where you're from, no matter what your pedigree is, you've got to produce and you've got to do it daily and weekly and yearly, or, you know, they'll find somebody who can get it done. So I think it speaks to their character, their professionalism, and then they're just where they've reached in their career, that pinnacle. So, and and then they enjoy it. That's great insight, Coach. And when I did your introduction, and luckily enough with the amount of people I've and coaches I've talked to on this podcast, very rarely will I give an intro to an individual that's been in the game 20 plus years, but only have two stops at Colorado and UT. What do you think is the main reason for your success or your staying power at one university for so long? I, mean, I think at the end of the day, when you look at any kind of longevity, whether it's in sports or business, um, it's if, if it's in ministry, whatever, you see that, that record of whatever person. Um, I think... <laughs> I kind of joke a little bit. I said, I don't know. It's, it, when they, when they, they give out these like awards for being at a place here at Texas for, for a certain amount, I said, is this a badge of honor or does this mean I'm like half crazy? Like, or is it, I, I kind of like go, I kind of wrestle with that myself. But I think at the end of the day, there's got to be within you, there's got to be, a, I think, some key components. I think first and foremost, you, you've really got to learn to, uh, Almost, I'm trying to think of the, the right word. You've almost got to think of ways to reinvent yourself and add value because jobs today are changing so fast, especially with with strength and conditioning. You got to be able to add values with technology. Everything is kind of obviously trending in that direction. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to be the end all be all, but there's going to have to be whether it's technology, whether it's um, you know, being a, a person who can can cross lines departmentally, I think that's a key piece to it as well. So you've got to be able to reinvent yourself. I think you've got to be able to get outside your office and get to know people and and be a servant in other areas of of that school, and you know, wear different hats. So I think that's a key component. And then I think too, there's a little bit of like, I'd say a little bit of like just destiny and kind of you were, you were called and, you know, that's just my personal belief that you, you're just called to a place. Sometimes it's just a good fit. Right. And it just, you know, you, you love that place. 
you, there's a loyalty in you. There's a, there's a, there's a piece in you that you, 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 you deal with problems front head on and, and you own, you take ownership of those problems and not be somebody always just complaining about these areas, but you actually want to be a, a key component in, Hey, how can we make this better? How can we provide uh, answers and solutions and not just point fingers? And so I think you've got to have those three components, reinvent yourself, right? Cross lines, and then really take, part of that DNA of that place you're working at, let it really become who you are and learn how to, to operate and, and, and move through the different uh, leadership changes and, and be able to adapt to that. It's going to be a key piece and be part of the, the solution, not part of the problem. That's definitely some great advice. You know, when you go to somewhere new, instead of looking for all the faults and all of its shortcomings, you should definitely look for solutions and, and look to contribute and try to build something into something special that in your opinion is helping out. If I were to travel down to Austin and come and watch a workout with you and your teams with volleyball and men's tennis, what, culture would I see with you and your athletes? Oh, that's funny. I think, uh, I think you'd see two really different kind of teams and how they kind of operate. Uh, I think first and foremost, both teams want to win. They want to compete and be great. And you see that kind of trickle over into the weight room. Um, I mean, currently both those teams that I work with, I feel like there's just a really solid chemistry among team and i'm not saying it's perfect i'm not that's not what i'm elaborating on but i think there's a there's a camaraderie amongst both teams where the kids work they work well together they enjoy being together and they really want to win and compete i think that's you know i think whenever you get selfishness or you get somebody who's not approachable or coachable on a team that's where Coaches, you know, sport coaches, that it's trouble for them to kind of manage those athletes. And then once that, once that kind of happens with the sport coach, it kind of starts to kind of rear its head in other areas as well. So I think both those teams have a good chemistry. I think it starts with the the coaching staff and the leadership at the top. Um, I think as far as if you start talking about training, you know. M- Quite a few of my volleyball girls can do. We use Olympic lifts on a lot because it's a very uh, power force production sport, right? You just want to completely every night be able to pr- reproduce that force uh, point after point after point. Whereas tennis, you know, those guys, most of those guys haven't done much training when they come into a college weight room. And so they have a lot of just crazy asymmetries in their body from playing tennis for on a hard surface. And so I've just learned over the years, those guys don't really respond well to Olympic lifts. So we'll do a lot of unilateral movements. We'll do some single, uh, single leg, a lot of single leg stuff with them. Uh, a lot of stuff where we're pulling with a weight is any bilateral stuff. I like to do it uh, below the lumbar spine uh, to take care of their bodies so they can actually play the sport itself. And so we're still teaching, you know, pulling patterns, squat patterns, bracing, push, pull, things like that, post chain work. But you just got to be careful and very 
cognizant of the demands of the sport as you pick different exercises for each team. So I think you'd see similar principles that I use with both teams, but the categories and drop-down menus are a little different depending on uh, each individual player and athlete. Great stuff, Coach. And could you explain to us a little bit more about one really important factor that I think is overlooked when programming is talked about or when we talk with other coaches, but the relationship between the strength coach and the head sport coach and how a coach would better navigate that relationship. Yeah, I think, honestly, to give credit, I think I've seen different staff members on our staff just do an incredible job of that. Um, I know I've seen Anna Craig do it, Clint Martin, all of them are doing Matt Couch's done a good job of that. He's a, a first year strength coach for baseball. So I think your your key cornerstone fundamental strength coach one on one is hey, what does the head coach want? Right? I don't I mean, I think I've definitely made the mistake where you come in and try to force your beliefs, your system, your processes into a head coach's methodology that maybe they're not open to right now. And I'm not saying that that's the end-all, be-all, but if you want to have some longevity, I think you've really got to start with just, hey, let me try to earn and win over this head coach's trust and belief in me as a professional. And that may be just doing, you know, you're managing and handling some things in the weight room that you don't necessarily agree with. Now, I will let me let me say a little caveat here. If they're doing something in the weight room that is putting that athlete at risk and at harm, that is not what I'm talking about. So if you have a head coach that's putting them in the the, the harm's way of rhabdomyolysis or over, you know, heat exertion, as we've seen here in the last few years, that's where it's going to take some maturity and some wisdom and counsel to speak up with courage about how do you manage that. That's a whole different topic. So I'm not going to touch that right now. I'm talking about the, maybe the, maybe the head coach wants to do circuits like, okay, you don't believe in circuits. I don't really like them that much either, but you know what, right now let's find a way to do circuits and let's not just like go through the motions with a stinky attitude. When we do it, let's like, let's show the coach, Hey, you're being creative. You're bought into what this coach wants to do. And then what I've seen is, is if you will support a coach and they start to see the kids buy into you, they go, wait a minute, they won't tell you this. Their egos may be a little too big or they may not have the the gumption to say it, but like, man, they'll say it like this. Hey, that those kids are buying into that, to that coach. They trust that coach. You know what? Now I trust the coach. And go, hey, you know, I've seen you. The, what would, how would you do this differently? Because I really like some of the way you're, you're approaching these circuits and, and working these kids are getting in good shape or getting tougher. And now you've earned the right have a voice and that coach starts to give you a little bit more autonomy that is that is such a key piece of being a a a great strength coach and a good leader and to be a servant too you know you're you're being a support staff a good servant leader and support staff by doing that so i think that takes time i think it takes patience and i think again you 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 may not want to just overwhelm a head coach with like articles and knowledge that you have right now they don't really care about that they want to they're trying to manage some other things. So again, that, 
I don't, I don't know how long it would take. Some coaches, it takes longer, you know? So every situation is different. Absolutely. And that's some great information. I know when you're a young strength coach, you're full of energy and, and ready to take on the world with, you know, your, your new knowledge. But I think the important thing is you need to learn how to build that relationship and build that trust, like you said, with the, the head coach. So you are able to, you know, build something that you're both proud of and you're both working for. And you had mentioned that some of your assistant coaches are really good at that. Could you talk a little bit more about the culture you try to build up amongst your staff? Texas is definitely known for having some quality strength coaches come through its ranks. And I wanted to see how you go about building up your staff and how you go about making that culture? Yeah, that's a great question. I think every, again, I just want to, before I answer, I think every place is kind of like, you know, to kind of steal a kind of analogy from John Gordon, every place is like grandma's famous soup, right? All the ingredients, we all may have the same ingredients, but we have different doses and emphasis of that soup. Like you do it at Denver, like I do at Texas, you know, so does uh, Texas A&M, their staff, you know, uh, Tana Burge over there. I'm sure she's got a different way. We all have similar ways and values in us. But I think specifically, you know, if you if you look at Texas, I think the one thing that I, th- I think kind of that one DNA that kind of connects us all is that I, I really feel like everybody on our staff just has really solid character. And what I mean by that is who you see at work is who they, who you see when they're not at work. I feel like they're consistently the, the, uh, the same person. Um, I always like to say character is who you are when no one is watching. Right. And I think like, for example, when you go to conferences, I think, and this is just one thing I, you, you just watch coaches at conferences. Do they, are they acting and behaving in a way that is professionally good uh, behavior? You know, especially when they're away from their administration, when they're away from people that are watching them. What are you doing, you know, down there late at night? How are you carrying yourself? What are you talking about? Who are you hanging out with? What are you doing? Because, again, I, I can't reiterate this enough at Texas. Texas is obviously it's a big platform. Even though we're on Olympic sports, we don't have the visibility of a, of a – of a revenue sport, but still the platform that we all hold still has uh, pressure, but it still has visibility and you've got to have good character. And you've also, you're going to handle situations where I'm just going to be honest. It's just not going to be fair for you. You're going to have to work through some situations that you don't agree with. You may not be treated the way you want to be treated. And so if you don't have good character, a strong character, then you'll probably, you'll, you'll behave in a way that's maybe unprofessional. And I think that's something, and, and again, that's that's a critique and kind of thing I've seen over the years in our profession is that, you know, you, you've got to be able to, as a strength condition professional, I think the language we use, the way we dress, the way we behave, not just in the weight room, but in that administrator's office, you know, when we're out on the field and the way we, those little things add up 
to build perceptions of how what kind of people we are and how much people respect how much credibility we get and how much um how much influence we have in a department so i think that adds up to that and i think just having good character and i think secondly i think you know two pieces of this is you got to be really good at what you do you can't come to a place like texas and be like well you know i think i know how to do it no you got to be have really good competence and you got to be really good at what you do because you're going to deal with some really high level athletes and they're already really good at the sport before they got you as their strength coach so you better know how to handle how to motivate them, how to handle different uh, physical challenges and asymmetries they got in their body from playing the sport they're playing. And you better hope that you're so good at what you're doing that they actually get really good at their sport and the coach. They're not losing practice time. They're losing playing time uh, because you know how to, to not only program for them, but how to manage different things that pop up in their body. Cause it's different. It's different. And the, and the, you know, losing, Losing your star player on a on a team because they were doing something stupid in the weight room is different at a place like Texas versus maybe a smaller school. Uh, both places will get upset, but but you'll definitely catch a little different, more heat, you know, at a place like Texas because you their job depends on that person. Definitely, and how do you go about finding that person? I've been a head strength conditioning coach for a while now and I've hired assistants and interns and, you know, volunteer assistant strength coaches and everybody presents well in an interview, but how do you determine that character or if if they're going to be good fit? I'm assuming at the university of Texas, you know, when you get somebody in there that's made it to an interview, I'm assuming the interview, they're well-prepared, their credentials all check out, and they're interviewing well. But how do you go about finding that right fit? Yeah, I'll, again, just to be frank, I think interviewing is so hard, like hiring the right people. Um, the cool, the crazy thing about our jobs, a lot, a lot of times we're, we're trying to figure out how to problem solve, right? So oftentimes, most of the time, the problem is we deal with is people. But guess what the answer is? People. <laughs> and so there is nothing more stressful and more uh, keep you up at night is when you're trying to hire the right person or if you got somebody on your staff that, like, it's just not working out, you know. And I think, you know, I've seen that, you know, unfortunately, in our our time, I've seen people that are just incredible coaches and people, but it just just wasn't the right place in time, and it just didn't work out, you know. And so, I I don't know that there's a secret sauce for it. Um, I would say that, and I don't know how to figure this one out, Coach. If you figure it out, let me know. We need to package it. But I think a lot of times it's a personality fit with head coaches and strength coaches, you've got to be able to, your personality has got to be able to mesh well with a head coach. And what I've, I think I've seen sometimes is a lot of times older coaches that are a little bit more set in their ways, we just don't mesh well with really demanding, maybe narrow-minded thought process head coaches. So those don't mesh really well. I've seen – now, I'm not saying head older coaches can't do that. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But just in my experience, your personality, 
you've got to be very open-minded and very um, being able to relate well with that head coach and connect with them in your personalities. And I think sometimes really strong personalities kind of clash a little bit and that ends up like making the head coach mad, you know? So I think that's a piece of it. I think the other piece of it is you've got to really work. There's got to be some, some cohesiveness and collaboration between you and your sports medicine team. And I really believe that still does that vibes well today. That is if you can't get a, if you cannot find common ground and common and mutual respect for your athletic trainer, it's just not going to work. Whether you think they're right or wrong or, or they could be acting crazy. I don't know who they are and you could be doing everything right. You've still got to find a way to work together because to, especially in the COVID society we're in, they have a lot of say there. And you know what? I've witnessed it. Our athletic trainers, man, I have a ton of love and respect for them. They deal with some messes, dude. Stuff I don't want to deal with. I just, I don't know if I could. So I give them love and respect. If you didn't listen to this, hey, kudos to you guys. And I can tell you that, the, you know, I've worked with athletic trainers for years. And I'm going to tell you what, if you can build a good relationship with them, man, that that's half the battle of your job. And, and uh, again, I think those two pieces having a personality that you got to look for. So I think you got to, in the interview process, you got to have the head coaches weighing in on who you're hiring and, and how they mesh, find out how you can get that done. And then having other people helping you with the evaluation process. So you're not looking through your own lens because we tend to just look for the things that we like. Whereas I know, I think to give Texas credit, we our interview process, man, there's a lot of people that, that kind of weigh in on, who you should, you know, they give you feedback on each candidate, which again, doesn't keep you from hiring maybe the wrong candidate, but it kind of puts you at a, there's been times we've, we've had candidates that we liked that maybe other people had some glaring flags. Okay. Yeah. We're not going to hire that person. Not that there was anything wrong with them, but just in the whole environment and culture of our athletics department, there's going to be some issues once they get here. So I think those checklists Almost you're running them through a, a system on a protocol of like interviewing so that you got a, a village, a collective group of people weighing in on that person so that you're not making the sole decision that will help you in your evaluation process. That's some great information. Now, I've been lucky enough to hear you speak at conferences on internships that you know virtual internships and just about every podcast that is out there for strength and conditioning what would you say is a piece of advice you would give the younger strength coach that's just coming off an internship or they're in their graduate assistantship what's a piece of advice for them and then also what is a piece of advice you would give to a strength coach that maybe just became a head strength coach for the first time or somebody that's full-time but still early on in their career where they're still learning yeah. new things and still trying to figure out how to be the best version of themselves? Oh, that's a great question. I think, you know, you almost got to go and say, hey, um, 
what would you tell yourself, right? That kind of question, you know, 25 years in the business now when I was just getting started. Um, I don't know. I think, I think the one thing that continues to bode true uh, in our profession right now is that you've really got to, I would just say, you know, I wish I would have started studying the topic of leadership a lot younger. I, I really feel like the generation of strength coaches coming up today are really, I'm blown away at the knowledge. I feel like because of the internet and so many certifications and courses and, and there's so many conferences that we become so head heady, like weighty in the knowledge we have, but we still don't know how to communicate. Well, we don't know how to handle conflict in situations you know i think early on i I mean i still struggle with some of that stuff and i've been 25 years so i think just being able to communicate you know uh being able to um relate to people and have a just a, a just a normal conversation i think a lot of people are missing that today a lot of younger coaches coming up um i'm not saying they can't get that when they get into, but I think that's something that I would just encourage all the young coaches, interns listening, be a, learn the, 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 learn how to be a good leader, learn how to listen. Right. I think that's another piece is like, cause here's what happens when you learn, when you learn all this knowledge, I've learned all these young coaches, they just want to talk. You know what? I really don't want to hear what you got to say right now. I know that you're you're reading some good authors and you've got that's a great thing you're learning right now. But can you listen? Can you read how you're coming off to people? No, you can't. <laughs> your emotional intelligence right now is so low. Your IQ is really high, but your EQ is really, really low, and you don't know that you don't know. And so take a step back, be quiet. Watch and listen. I know you know a lot. Wait for the right time, the right place to share that information. Now is not the time. Now is not the place. Now is not the season. And so, and I'm saying it with a little bit of lightheartedness. So just hopefully everybody, please don't get offended at me that I'm telling me you're, I'm not telling you you're terrible. I'm just saying there's another piece to strength and conditioning that's so important is your ability to communicate, listen, uh, follow examples, uh, follow the lead of somebody else, be a good follower before you can lead. You know, you don't have to be in the driver's seat right now, you know? And so I think that's, those are traits and things that take maturity. They take time. I I would say too, you know, I I would say if you're going through something difficult, Hey, if it's in a bad spot, how can you get it in a good spot? You know? Um, I, I think it's easy to quit and walk away and, and from something that's really difficult for you right now, but can you manage and go through, I, I call it, call it, kind of call it like earning your stripes, right? Kind of earning your war wounds. You you meet somebody who's really good at fighting, right? Conflict. They got some scars on them. You know, they took some lumps. So I'm not saying physically fight, but I'm saying you're going to have to go through some battles in some challenges in seasons of your life as a strength coach to be really good at what you're doing, you're going to catch, you're going to catch some lumps. You gonna get some little, some little scars on you, you know, and you're going to learn from that. And then the way I would say it like this is don't ever, it's don't, don't trust a leader who doesn't walk with a limp. That's kind of a, 
you know, a famous quote out there. But what I mean by that is they've been through some battles, man. They've they've taken some love. They've made some mistakes, but they've learned from it. And it's made them a, a higher quality person. They're more caring. They're more compassionate. They're more they're more empathetic towards people. That will make you a better leader than saying, hey, I got all the answers. And so I think early on, you got your full of zeal. You're full of passion, excitement. You're learning all this cool stuff, which is you, we definitely need that. That is going to help you. But early on, learn and start studying the topic of leadership and all the dimensions and all the qualities in, in the facets that go into that. So, cause that is a leadership is an art. It's not just a skill. That is very, very, very good information right there. Don't trust a leader that doesn't walk with a limp. It's good to know that, you know, you've been there and we've, as coaches will get there or are in the, in the heat of it all right now. But I think it's important to know it's those battles and that experience of going through the tough times when things aren't just, you know, all sunshine and rainbows. I think that's an important thing to have as a leader or as a coach. And no, it may not always feel like it's the best thing going through it at that moment, but in the end, it's going to help you navigate, you know, troubling times when they come back and, and help out other coaches that are going through those as well. Now, if you could pick up your phone and call coach Mabe from when he first got to the university of Texas, what would you tell him? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I would tell <laughs> uh, probably that right now, <laughs> probably right now I'd say buckle up because you go, you're going to have a ride here these first 10 years at Texas. It's going to be a, it's going to be a bumpy one, but you're going to be all right. I tell him to buckle up. Um, I don't know. I think, I think, you know, looking back, I would say you need to calm down. You know, the things that I thought were important when I first got here, not that important. I mean, I was just like, I'm kind of telling myself here, I was, if you weren't doing this lift or this program, then man, we weren't training and you know, we weren't doing, I was almost a very purist, like, well, man, we're going to lose if we're not training like this. And you come, you know, come what I come to find out, we still won sometimes and we weren't doing, you know, we weren't doing the things I thought were correct. Again, that just goes back to my my uh, arrogance and ego, and thinking I'm right. And I think going back, you know, I would say, I think the one trait that you you just see in our profession is just there's sometimes there's just a lack of really genuine humility. And I don't when I say you, I, I think there's a humility, there's a false humility, like you know where you come off wimpy and spineless and you don't you just don't come off confident i think that i think that you've got to be confident as a strength coach and be really good at your job but also have the humility to know that you're just a piece of the puzzle you're not the puzzle right and so i think that takes time to kind of get to that place and part of being humble is being like you know the older i get I realized how much I really don't know. Whereas when I was younger, I was like, man, I thought I knew it all. 
you know, and I think, so as I've gotten older, I go, man, there is just so much to learn out there. And that makes me go, man, I've got to be more open to learn from our interns and from our staff, from coaches. And it just, I think that humility is something that is, uh, I think it's kind of like frowned upon a little bit. And I think have, I think, you know, you see the, these coaches that, that are, 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 they make the big salary, right? In, in certain revenue sports, they have this big personality. And I think that's something that, you know, you need for those positions, but there, you also got to be like, well, what is that person really like if you sit down with them? You know, do they treat people across the board with respect or do they, if, do they treat people that can't help them out, right? If you can't do nothing for me and you can't help me, how do you treat that person? Do you talk down to them? Do you cuss them out? Do you belittle them? To me, that shows you there's an arrogance there that they've overestimated their own value and importance in the role they have. I believe if you're going to be a great leader, you've got to say, I'm going to take this power and influence and I'm going to lift others up with me. I'm not just going to make it about me. And I think that's something is... I don't, I want to, as I've gotten older, I, I want to take people with me. I just don't want to be on the mountaintop. Oh, I'm up on the mountaintop. Look at me, you know? So I think that's a big piece, you know, I would, would look for as, as a, because I think as you, I think early in your career, it's all about you, right? You're searching for success, but at some point you've got to make that switch to significance as you get older in your career. You know, and there's a book, great book by Bob Buford. If you have not read this, you've got to, if you're listening, it's called halftime. And so the whole book's about how do you make this switch from early in your career? It's all about you, right? Then as, as you get in your late 30s, early 40s, how do you start giving back and start making it about other people and about leaving a legacy and about leaving a lasting impact in people's lives? So I think early on at Texas, it was all about me. What's my career? And now as I've gotten older, I think it's about helping others and, and making a difference because... You know, it's at the end of the day, you're only as good as is how you leave a place. And so hopefully that's, you know, hopefully that's something I will end up doing as I get older and, and impact others. So definitely coach, that's some great information. And you, it definitely shows with having talked with you and seeing how you work and, and seeing how you help people around you. And I think it's greatly appreciated. What's next for Coach Mabe? You know, what's something we can look forward to? You know, what's what's on on your horizon right now? I think for me, you know, I've definitely enjoyed doing kind of we've we've got a little podcast we've started. I know you've you've seen it's called the Team Behind the Team. It's a uh, it's a University of Texas podcast performance. And so we've enjoyed doing that. We do one a month. So I've enjoyed doing different forms of communication and mediums um, like you're using. So I think the finding ways to, I've got that entrepreneurial itch in me a little bit, I think. And I I can't say that I love all of it, so I don't want to go that far. (laughs) So I think just continuing to, you know, do content. I've definitely been working on a book, you know, just leading an apartment, things like that, you know, doing more talks like this with you, connecting with people. Uh, I think uh, I've done some leadership stuff for different teams at Texas with different uh, sports across um, the Olympic side of stuff. So I think the just continue to learn to mentor, lead, develop, 
create content, uh, do some entrepreneurial stuff, get involved with different people like yourself on different projects. I think that's, as I've gotten older again, finding ways, you know, different, uh, different lanes to run in to do my job and connect and, and add value to others is what really makes my heart beat. And I see as I've gotten older, that's kind of the thing that, again, just learning to adapt, reinvent yourself and take those gifts and skill sets you have and how do you express those in different ways that you enjoy it, but also it helps a lot of other people as you go. So that's kind of, I feel like, I know that's a kind of a broad answer. So I'm still trying to work through some of that myself. And, uh, and I think part of that, to that answer coach is that you've got to find those things that make your heart beat, you know, and you got to pursue it. And I'll say this, as you do that, you won't be really good at it at first. You've got to do, it's going to take time to develop it, you know? And, um, and it's kind of, this is one of my favorite analogies I want to use, but one of the, I love to, to read the Bible over the years. It's part of just a, it's a part of my personal core values, a man of faith, there's a character in the Bible, Moses, and he's a shepherd, right? And he has this dream and vision to lead these people to the promised land. So he's got this staff in his hand. He's shepherding sheep, but God's put this like vision in his heart and dream that's romantic, but he's not doing it yet. So I think sometimes as coaches, we get this like vision in our heart, in our minds, and like, but we're doing this mundane, boring task, wiping down, cleaning up. Setting, you know, and I think we've got, we can't forget as coaches, right? That what's in, and I had to learn this early in my career. Um, what is in your hand, right? Will help you reach what's in your heart. And so really get good at the little mundane, daily, boring task and develop what's in your heart, build that vision, work, you know, cultivate that dream and passion you have while you're doing the mundane. And at some point, the two will cross and blend together if you don't faint and give up. So don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Keep doing the mundane. Get Because that's what you're good at right now. The, you, the shepherd staff, watching over these stinky sheep. You know, this job is not fun. But man, keep that vision and dream that, that's in your heart. Let that come to birth. It's going to take time. You may not be time to share it yet, but keep working on that. At some point, it will come to fruition and you'll be so glad you stuck with it. Cause I almost gave up coach. I really did. And that's just part of the process. So that's definitely something that sticks with me. And I know with strength and conditioning coaching or any kind of coaching or any kind of profession where it requires, you know, a lot of skin in the game and a lot of effort to become what you want to be. You know, what What did you tell yourself when you looked in the mirror and were asking yourself, is this really what I want to do with my life? Because you know, there's always been a moment where you're at, at a crossroads as a coach and thinking, is this it? Is this what I want? And, you know, I had to remind myself, like, yeah, this is, this is it. You know, we're building something good here at MSU Denver or whether it's at Texas. You know, what did you do and what kind of advice you can give to other coaches that kind of kept you going? Like we, we got this, this is something worth working for. Yeah. I think, you know, you, we all go through those dark times. I know I did early on at Texas. We're like, dude, am I even supposed to be doing this? Like I'm not making any money. 
working crazy hours. I've got a wife. We're having, we just started a family. Man, bills are just covering us up. And we're, I mean, there were nights we'd be, uh, we'd be in tears, man. Like, dude, I don't know how we're going to make it next month. You know, and then so, you know, I would get extra jobs, do stuff on the side. My wife would do the same. We just found a way to get through that season and make it work. And I think eventually what I found out was, you know, I, this is just my personal conviction. I don't say that this is for everybody, but I just believe coaching is a calling. I think there's a difference in a career and a calling. I think that, you know, a career is, and I think you can, you know, I've, I have had a good friend here in town, um, Ed Goble. He actually, well, he was one of our, he's our CFO at Texas. He's not here anymore, but his wife, Carolyn Boudreaux, she was, uh, she started a whole thing called the, the Miracle Foundation. And she travels all over the world now and puts up uh, orphanages for, for kids that don't have parents. They've been abandoned. And she had a six-figure job driving a Mercedes, driving fancy cars. But she made, she had a ton of money, and was, but she was miserable. And she ended up taking a, like a little sabbatical for a season and took a trip over to India, I think it was. And they visited a orphanage and these kids just flocked to her, right? And one of them hugged her and was just loving on her. And then she had to help kind of tuck it in, help this kid, tuck this kid in bed. And she said that night, she put this kid in bed, this little girl, and her hip bone struck the bed. It was all wood and there was no mattress. And there was a loud knock. And she said that was, he said that was like the calling to her. She heard that knock and she found her purpose, you know, and that just gripped her heart. And again, that goes back to that search for significance, like I talked about earlier. You get into this career looking for success, get that top position, that that salary, the notoriety, and that's okay at first. But like, what really keeps you in the in the thick of the thing, you know? And I think you've got to find that that piece of your calling of like, what really makes your heart beat? What do you care about? You know, what what makes you what keeps you up late and what gets you up early? What 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 makes you angry? What makes you happy? What makes you sad? Those kind of key questions. What gets your emotions kind of involved? Like you just love, you know, you just, man, I'll, it's kind of, you got to find something you, you can stand for or you won't, or you'll fall for anything, right? So what is that one thing that, man, that you just love? And Because you're going to, no matter what job you got, you're going to have to deal with difficult people. You're going to have to go deal with very challenging problems. So what, what do you call to? And typically, your purpose, no matter what it is, there's a cause to it, but there's also, there's a community. And so once you find that cause and you find your people, you need to throw yourself in it and just be dedicated. And again, I think in coaching, being with athletes and, and working through teaching athletes how to overcome adversity and, and how to respond to difficult situations. And like me being a strength coach is like, secondary to me being a mentor and almost like speaking destiny and purpose into these kids lives today because they need it you know and i know i'm a, i'm a voice and influence and so that's the one thing i realized it's a big ministry to me it's a big calling it's a big purpose for me and so that what that's kind of what makes my heart beat and so i think you got to find that as a coach and until you do you're going to struggle definitely and it is greatly appreciated coach you can tell just by 
your actions and and your your answers and and what you're doing there at Texas it's it's very apparent that you want to give back and help out and I know it's good to see that in our industry and it's good to see other coaches in strength conditioning that understand what it's like to be a coach and I definitely know what it's like to struggle and have to work hard to get set next level or build something great and it's greatly appreciated that you're able to help us out now if any of our listeners wanted to find out more about you or see what you got going on what's the best way our listeners can look at more what you're doing or get a hold of you yeah that's a great question i think if you if you ever want to reach out feel free to you can just uh direct message me through instagram and my my instagram is just donnie mabe um you could also go through our instagram our texas athletic performance if you look that up uh we'll answer through there as well uh any questions you have our staff myself will answer that um on twitter it's at coach donnie so that's another way I'll, I'll, I check my Twitter and Instagram fairly consistent. There's times I'll get in seasons or weeks where I can't get to it as much, but I'll, I'll hit you back at some point. And uh, that's, those are probably the best, quickest, two easiest ways to con- reach out, connect. Great. We'll definitely have our, our listeners reach out. And did I hear that correctly, coach? Did I hear that there's a uh, uh, memoirs of a uh, coach Mabe coming out? You writing a book? <laughs> what do you got going on? That's awesome. Maybe that's what I should call it. There's the title right there. Yeah. I mean, it's like COVID is definitely giving me a little more time than normal. And so I've been working, ch- uh, chipping away at it and it's, it's no easy task, but yeah, my, my, my heart is, with the book at some point to get it done, obviously, but it's going to be about kind of what we're talking about here, how you start out as a coach and if you want to work your way into being a leader in a department or over a a unit or group at some point, that's kind of going to be the thesis of the book. How do you do that? You know? And so that's kind of the thesis of it. I'm working on it and just trying to pull from all the stories, mistakes and lessons I've learned through 25 years of coaching and just download that into some, some simple, digestible little nuggets to help people. So that's kind of what I'm working on. Well, definitely coach. And I appreciate you and and doing that. And I know I've heard how hard it could be and how daunting it could be to write a book. So you know, good luck with that. We're definitely looking forward to that. And I want to thank you for being on the podcast. You had great, great information and insight. And, you know, you spoke candidly about, you know, what it's like to work your way up and, you know, hiring people. And it's very helpful to hear that, especially for all the coaches listening that haven't built up a program or in the process of building it up. I think it's important to hear that. And, you know, we really appreciate you and we look forward to talking to you again here soon. Yeah. My pleasure. I appreciate you having me on coach Isaiah and you're doing a great work and just keep it up. And uh, we appreciate you too, coach. Keep, keep, keep helping us all get better. We appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by optimum nutrition athletics. After dominating the sports nutrition industry for over 30 years, the newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings the same trust and quality at a great price. 
They've worked hard to put convenient nutritional supplement options in the hands of your athletes. Because of the increased demands, ON now offers their third-party tested NSF certified gold standard whey protein powder in 10-pound bags exclusively for their athletics partners. Owen even released ready-to-drink cartons of their gold standard whey protein shakes for your athletes and coaches that are on the go. Colleges and universities across the country have partnered with ON to give their athletes the highest quality nutritional supplements and ON continues to deliver. They provide flexibility and affordability for all their partners. If you'd like to learn more about their expanding line of supplement products or if you're interested in becoming a partner, contact ON's Rachel Kravitz on Instagram at on underscore athletics underscore west or email rkravitz at glambia.com. This episode is brought to you by Play. Play is a company that I've personally been working with from the start. Everyone at Play works to help strength coaches innovate and find solutions for our profession. From flooring, weight room equipment, outdoor spaces, and everything in between, Play will collaborate with you to find what you need. They work with everyone from professional teams to high schools, and they've always made me feel important and a part of the Play family. Refuse second best with Play. Find them at play.us and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.